Today we continue our sermon series with a reminder that God is with us in all things, that God is with us at all times, that God is with us in all circumstances, that God is indeed with us. We learned the first week that God is with us through each other. That when we encounter each other, we encounter an opportunity to, be, to acknowledge the presence of God. And last week, we talked about that God is with us in worship. That David danced with all of his might to worship the Lord. And in doing so, that worship became contagious and it made the people aware that God is with us. In worship. And today we go to 2 Samuel, the seventh chapter, and we learn today that God is with us and that God has a plan for us, and God is with us in that plan. So I want you to remember that First and Second Samuel were written together, one of the most pivotal books in the Old Testament that teach us about transition. They teach us about worshiping God and staying with God when things are hard, when things are awkward, when things are changing, when we don't agree, when politics are ripping us apart, when socioeconomic realities are making us wonder, where is God? Second, first and second Samuel remind us that God is with us always. And that God has always had a plan. And if we'll just get on board with God, we'll be okay. So let's go to 2 Samuel, the 7th chapter, beginning in the first verse. And we're going to read to verse 14a. When you see a letter uh, in the scripture reference, that means that we're going to stop early. We're not going to read the entire verse, but we will stop. A means at the first punctuation mark, okay? So 2 Samuel chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. After the king was settled in his place, in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites... Did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people, Israel, did I ever say, 
Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. And I will provide a place for my people, Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore, as they did at the beginning, and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, have your way. Have your way in this place. Have your way in the interwebs. Have your way through the live streaming. Have your way in all the places in which we are seen and heard, O oh God. Have your way. Have your way so that we might hear from you, O oh God that we might learn from you, O oh God, and that we might take you at your word. Take this, your servant, and hide her behind that old rugged cross so that everything that is said and everything that is heard comes straight from you, O oh God. This is your servant's prayer. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. So last week we left off with King David dancing and embarrassing some folks in his family. And we left off learning that David was even more blessed because of his worship. Because he trusted God in all things and because he restored the Ark of the Covenant, the symbol that God is present with us in that time, he restored it to the people of Israel. You'll remember that the Ark of the Covenant was placed in a tent and it was protected by the people and that all the people were blessed because the ark was reclaimed. And all the people worshipped and celebrated. And then they went forth to bless other people. Because they were reassured that God is with them. 
We pick up today and King David has been settled into his palace, this house made of cedar. He has settled in and the Lord has given him rest from his enemies around him. I don't know about you, but when I got up this morning and I heard the alarm clock going off, I was not extraordinarily grateful. (laughs) In fact, I think I said something like, it can't be time. (laughs) Forgetting that every time we breathe, it's a gift from God. That every time we see a brand new day, we have others who do not see this day on this side of glory with us. And I was bemoaning the fact that it was Sunday morning and I needed to get myself together to come to worship and to come and stand in this pastoral and preaching role. And I was bemoaning the fact that I was just so tired. When we gathered with the worship team, you could hear the groans of exhaustion (laughs) as well. So many of us are tired in these days and times. We're ripping and running and trying to do all the things for all the people and be all things to all people. And we are simply tired. But what we learn from the text today is that it is really hard to hear from God and to hear what God has next for us when we are tired. After David traveled, after he battled, after he went and got the Ark of the Covenant and put it in place, after he worshiped, the Lord gave him rest. And not just sleeping rest, but restorative rest, rest from his enemies, the kind of rest where he didn't have to worry about what was going on around him because he knew that the Lord was with him. After David was rested... He had an idea. He said to the prophet Nathan, and Nathan we see for the very first time, but as we continue to read through 2 Samuel, Nathan becomes more and more critical. Remember we talked about the Samuel, the book of Samuel, is a book that transitions the Israelites from tribal roaming and being led by priests to a kingdom, a different way of governing, a different way of being, being led by a king who is then advised by a prophet. So Nathan the prophet So David says to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. Wow. 
You know, that seems like a normal, logical observation. Why do I have this grand house while God is sleeping in a tent? Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. Remember that David has been called by God. He has been taken from the fields as a shepherd, as the youngest of eight kings. And he defeated Goliath and the Philistines, and he is now king. This can only happen because God has done it. Because God is with David. And so Nathan reminds David that God is with him. This makes sense, right? This is perfectly logical. But then the Lord speaks to the prophet Nathan and says, Go tell David, Are you the one to build me a house? He said, I haven't dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt. And are you sure that it is your job to build me a house? And, and then the Lord says, Nathan, now make sure you tell the servant David that this is what I said. I took you from the pasture. I did it. Not you. The Lord took David from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people. I have been with you wherever you have gone. And I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great. And I, says the Lord, will provide a place for my people. And will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore. And I will give you rest. But here's the deal. I will establish my own house, says the Lord. And I will give you ancestors and a son who will build this house for me. I will be his father. And he will be my son. How many times have we done something in the name of God? Or on behalf of God? that God never told us to do. Hmm, got quiet in here. How, I mean, come on, let's be honest with ourselves. Let's hold up a mirror. How many times have we gone to someone and said something to them in the name of Jesus? <laughs> and the Lord never sent us to them in the first place. How many of us have said that we are doing the work of God and we have not heard hello or goodbye from the Lord? We've just appointed ourselves leader of the plan. 
This is what's happening in this text. This is what's happening with David. You see, we have been pre-set um, uh, to love David. We were taught in Sunday school to love David. We were taught in VBS to love David. That little David is the hero of them all. But we were not at all taught about David's hubris <laughs> or about David's ego or about David's propensity to get ahead of God and do what David wants to do because the Lord is with him. <laughs> we weren't taught that David is one who often goes off on his own way and in his own time and comes up with his own ideas and does things in the name of God and in the name of establishing God for the people. And yet God hasn't said anything of the like. And the truth of the matter is that we tend to be much more like the hubris, the arrogant David, than we would like to admit. The truth of the matter is that God has a plan. And that's what God is telling Nathan to tell David in this text. God is saying, I have a plan. It's a good plan. Stay in the plan. Don't go your way. But David has an idea. I live in this great house. It's made of cedar, Mary. And God lives in a tent. So I should build a house for God. That's just like us humans, isn't it? To try to box God in, make God go where we want God to go and make God do what we want God to do. It's just like us humans to try to put God in a box and make God fit our way of doing things. It's just like us to make God a Republican or a Democrat. It's just like us to make God male or female. It's just like us to make God whatever we want God to be, to make God in our image. And God is saying to us and to David, watch it. You are mine. And I have a plan. And your job is to follow the plan. We've seen what happens when we try to make God in our way and in our box. We've seen what happens when we try to do things our way. Things just don't work out. And yet we still want to control things. We still want to do things our way. And then 
We ask the million-dollar question, is God with us? Where is God? Why didn't God do? Nathan's right. The first thing he said to David is, whatever you want to do, go ahead and do it because God is with you. Nathan is absolutely right. Maybe God has not been as present with any leader in the Old Testament more than God has been with David, but that doesn't mean that David gets to do whatever David wants to do. That God is with us means that we are to seek God in all things. That we are not to move until God says move. That we are not to construct plans and directions until we have a word from God. God is with us does not mean that we get to do whatever we want and God will co-sign on it. God is with us means that we must be prepared to pivot so that we can follow God's plan. You see, David has a plan, and on the surface, David's plan seems good, right? It seems logical. It seems fair. We would want God to have what we have at the very least, right? But God has a different plan. And I'll even extend to say a better plan. And Nathan's job is to teach David that God's plan is always the best plan. Over and over again, the prophets say to us, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you a future with hope. They say that God has good plans for us, plans to give us life and health and strength, plans to preserve us, to plant us, to protect us, and provide for us. And when that doesn't happen, we tend to spin our wheels and wonder, why didn't God do what God said God was going to do? And over and over again, the answer is we went our own way instead of God's way. It's easy to do. So many of us, you know, we listen to voices that we think sound like God, but we know in our gut that they're not really God. We listen to voices that sound like the prophet Nathan, but we know that it's misdirection or misinformation. Because most of the time, God's plan is hard. It's not the easy way out. It's 
oftentimes not what we want to do. And sometimes it's even the opposite of what we want to do. David wants to build a house. God says, I don't want your house. I don't need your house. You have other business. That's somebody else's business. How many times have we gotten messed up and turned around and misdirected because we got in somebody else's business? We took on somebody else's work. We got in somebody else's lane. You know what happens when you're driving down the street and you change lanes in a lane that you're not supposed to be in? Oftentimes it means you have an accident because you come into a lane that somebody else is already occupying. And you didn't see them there because you decided it was your lane. <laughs> Crash. Danger. Damage. I believe the Lord is trying to tell us three things today. The first is, some of us just need to be still and rest. God will give you rest. And when God gives you rest, God gives you clarity and God gives you focus. And that's important so that we can learn the second lesson for this week, which is when God gives us rest and clarity and focus, then we can get clear about God's plan for us. And when we get clear about God's plan for us because we have been still and we have rested and we have had the ability to focus on God. When we get clear about God's plan for us, then we realize that we don't have to do everything. That everything is not our work. And when we realize that God gives us rest so that we can focus and we can have clarity so that we can realize that we don't have to do everything and that everything is not ours to take on, we can finally realize that God is with us. When we stay in our lane, when we follow God's plan, for our life. We don't have to ask, where is God? And we don't have to wonder if God is with us. Because we're moving in lockstep with the Almighty God. You know, some people's lives have really been messed up because people got out of their lane. They tried to do somebody else's work or they did something in the name of God that God never asked them to do. 
We have an abundance of history that points to this. We lived in slavery in the name of God. We lived in Jim Crow laws in the name of God. We segregated churches in the name of God. We split churches in the name of God. We set up a gazillion denominations and non-denominations in the name of God. We set up political parties in the name of God. We set up our way of life in the name of God. We set up capitalism in the name of God. We set up so much in the name of God. And we have to ask ourselves at this point in life, did God ever tell us to do that? And so we're here. And as uh, Langston Hughes said, life ain't been no crystal stair. (laughs) People are hurting. They're hungry. They're sick. They are afraid. They are lonely. And they live in everything but the abundant life that God has promised unto us. We've done it our way. And yet, God is still with us. God says, I've been with you wherever you have gone. Even when you did it your way, I have been with you. I have protected you. Even when you changed lanes too quickly and you didn't get in that accident. And I will continue to provide for you, to plant you, to give you a place to belong. And I will do it because the work is not about you. I will do it. Because I have a plan. And it's a good plan. It's a plan to give you a future with hope. It's a plan to redeem you and sustain you. It's a plan to lift you out of the hole in which you were in. It's a plan to make life greater and greater and greater. It's a plan to help you realize the abundance of life that I have promised unto you. It is a plan that gives you a future with hope, whether you are one years old or 99 years old. I have a plan, says the Lord, and I am with you in that plan, says the Lord, and it's never too late to get on board with my plan, says the Lord.
And he says, some of my plan. is for someone else. You may not see all the promises of God come to fruition in your lifetime. But that's okay. They will come. And God is with us. So what's the plan for today? (laughs) As my dad says. I hope your plan for today is to rest. So that you can get clear about God's plan in and through and for our lives. So that we might realize this future with hope. This abundant life. That we don't have to do everything. But in the words of Mr. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, that the best of all is God is with us. May it be so. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your plan. We thank you that you give us a future with hope. We thank you, O God, that you have allowed us into your presence today. We thank you, O God, that we don't have to do everything and that we don't have to put you in a box, that we don't have to make you like us, O God. We thank you that you give us rest so that we might know that in spite of ourselves, you are with us. In the midst of all things, you are with us. That when life seems a little crazy and off kilter, you are with us. That when we can't control the future, you are with us. That absolutely in every situation in our lives, in all things, oh God, that you are with us. So help us to follow your plan, oh God. Give us rest so that we might hear from you what the plan is. And then help us to lean in with the promise of knowing that you have always been with us, that you will remain with us, that you are protecting us, that you are providing a place for us, that you are planting us, that we will no longer be disturbed, that you will give us rest from our enemies, God, show us your plan and help us to follow it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.